Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. I'm Rachel True. And I'm Trent Venegas. And you're listening to Quoting Gene Roddenberry. The 100-day podcast that celebrates what would have been the 100th birthday of the man that created Star Trek. Each day between now and the end of our podcast, August 19th, one of Star Trek's biggest icons, or celebrity fans, or both, will be quoting Gene Roddenberry. Then we're going to take a deep dive into why we think this sci-fi legend still has a lot to say to the world. read by Revenge of the Nerds royalty, Curtis Armstrong. I'm in love with the human race. And welcome back to Quoting Gene Roddenberry. And welcome back, our guest host this week, Burbank City Council member, Constantine Anthony. Welcome back. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. So this is one of the shorter quotes. I think this is probably the shortest quote we've gotten so far. Uh, Gene Roddenberry is in love with the human race, Constantine. What do you think about that? Well, you know, people might attribute this to, you know, his humanistic ideals. But I'm going to go on a limb and just say he was trying to come out as pansexual. Oh, (laughs) Um, on this one. You guys take it from here. That's where I'm going to stay for a while. Wait, I want to jump in because I have a million thoughts about this quote. When you think about it is from 1988. Mm-hmm. So, and 1988 and the late 80s, I remember. And I remember so much because I hated the 80s so much that this is the time period when everything began to change. I'm in love with the human race. I'm wondering if he uh, was springboarding off the fact that just a year later, the Berlin Wall would fall. Yeah. Uh, Valklev Havel would become president of, uh, a, a writer, mm-hmm. you know, would become president of Czechoslovakia. Yugoslavia became, broke up you know, and became all the Slavic countries that they were actually Mm -hmm. supposed to be. So the world was really changing. And that's what I'm saying why I hated the early 80s, because it felt like it was Reagan, nothing will change. Women shut up. White Mm -hmm. men rule. Mm -hmm. And this was the beginning of the, the real beginning of change was actually when I heard Nirvana's song for the first time and I knew things were Mm -hmm. actually changing, which was a little bit after this quote. Right. But I remember hearing that song and going, we're done. That that stuff is dead. We're moving Mm -hmm. into something else. But Mm -hmm. this 1988 was the very beginning. And I think I I was so enthusiastic about this because I think that maybe when I started to fall in love with the human race, like I was so scared before that, that, you know, no one would take me seriously as a black woman because I saw how Anita Hill was treated around this exact same time Mm -hmm. period. And yet I was waking up to the fact that there was so much possibility for Mm -hmm. us. And I know I'm babbling, but I hate that we still use the term race. I honestly do. I said it in the last podcast, but I want to just say I'm in love with humans, man. Right. And we are the same human race with some ethnic divergence within there. But anyway, Mm -hmm. Trent, tell me what you think or what your experience with this kind of quote would be. You know, it's very interesting when you talk about the late 80s and the winds of change that you just described. Like, I never really thought about that, but you're absolutely right. You know, we tend to think about the end of the 90s and 2000 as like this change from one century to another. But I, I agree with you that I feel like the late 80s, there was, it really felt more 
present that things were actually changing. Like I remember watching the fall of the Berlin Wall happen on MTV. MTV stopped airing videos to show this happening. And, you know, uh, the jubilation that was erupting on the streets and David Hasselhoff up on the wall singing one of his massive pop songs. He was a big, a big star over in Germany. And then I think about like the pop music, like uh, Jesus Jones, that song right here, right now, which is very. Oh, I love that song. But it, it, the lyrics speak very much to that time. And it's it sounds dated now, obviously. But the Scorpions put out a song called Winds of Change. So, oh, go I- listen to the podcast. I believe it's called Winds of Change. There's a great podcast where they talk about that song and how it could have been a propaganda song and or not. Anyway, Trent, go ahead. I definitely will have to check that out. So it's very interesting that you picked up on that because that didn't occur to me. And the fact that that this is the time period where Gene is making this quote uh, makes perfect sense with what you're trying to say. Yeah, because in the late 80s, we moved away. Like when I was a kid, right? And, and we're talking late 70s, early 80s. It was all happy days was so great. And the 50s was perfect. Yeah. And I was mm-hmm. like, I couldn't go to the same school as you. Yeah. So it wasn't. Yeah. And when I hear it was people, happy days for a certain segment of the population. But by the way, certain people I know are glorifying the 80s the same way people did the 50s yeah. now like white yep. friends of mine from saying. upstate yeah. are saying i long for the days of reagan when i was free and i was like bitch i wasn't free mm-hmm. so well, that's the old quote the the quote that everyone is has problems with is make america great again yeah when when are you talking about because the again implies before brownie spoke up so much yeah. right absolutely you know? implicit mm-hmm. in that yeah. yeah and it's weird i'm glad this quote came up because when i when anyone asked me about the 80s i'm like hated it but the truth is i became aware and sentient and conscious of politics and all those mm-hmm. things in the 80s and i kind of didn't hate it all because it's also when black people were more included in pop culture, mm-hmm. you know, where they didn't actually get a white singer to redo the song, mm-hmm. you know, so mm-hmm. it was more palatable for white audiences. Like, and because as, as you mentioned, MTV, suddenly people were seeing our images, even though they were playing very few black videos. And there's a, there's a great quote of David Bowie yeah. hassling them in the 80s yeah. saying, well, how, how, why don't you play black video? Why don't you do this? And I'll always stand... Yeah. David Bowie and other people who aren't ethnic who will stand up for stuff like that. Sidebar, I caught a pic David Bowie threw out at a concert in the cleavage (gasps) of my push-up bra. (laughs) And if that's not magic, I don't know what is. That's That's magic. magic That's David Bowie magic right there. (laughs) You know, the summer of 1988, when he made this quote, I remember hanging out with my grandmother and watching uh, Michael Dukakis win the Democratic Mm -hmm. nomination Mm -hmm. for president. And, you know, it it, it was... uh, it was a strange and upheaval time, uh, not just here, but uh, around the world. And to be in love with an entire population, mm-hmm. you know, I'm going to have to change my thoughts on this. I think what what Gene was trying to say was that there's this idea that humanity is, yeah. right? There's mm-hmm. this not just an idea, but an ideal Mm -hmm. of who we are. And and that's what he was in love with. He was in love with us able to make giant social economic changes and, you know, address uh, inequalities and race and gender and all these things uh, on a large, massive scale. And in that year, in 1988, for him to be able to say that was such a positive reflection on his feelings towards 
what was going on around the world. Yeah. This quote is very uh, similar to the one that Dominic Keating from Enterprise read for us really early on in the podcast where Gene flatly said, if I have a love affair, it is with humanity. I've been thinking about that quote since then, just because it's such a short and simple quote on the surface. But I think it's very clear, especially for me, when I watch Star Trek from the very beginning, you know, all the way up to the legacy that we still enjoy now, those stories were Gene's love letters to mankind, to humankind, to humanity. Uh, This is a series that highlights uh, the best of us, the best of humanity, the what we are capable of, what we don't think we're even capable of, what what we can be capable of. But it also showcases the worst of us sometimes in the villains, in the Cardassians, in like the greedy Ferengi, you know, like when you think about love, love is affection. It is a positive, active word. He doesn't just like humans, you know, he doesn't just, you know, tall, you know, like we're great. He, like, love is, it's a very purposeful that I think that he used this word because he used it in this quote. He used it in that quote that Dominic read. And I'm I'm certain that there are other quotes where he has, uh, where he spoke about his love for humanity. So that, that also rung, you know, really kept ringing in my head about what does it mean when you love someone or something? You care for it. You nurture it. You want to see it thrive. You want to see it, you know, grow beyond the bounds of like your safety net and let it grow and be on its own. Like, like kind of like a child. Gene loved Star Trek. Gene loved humanity. Like he loves like maybe his own child. And, and the way that he was able to, uh, to, to say that, to, to express those feelings was through the stories that he created uh, and in the characters in Star Trek, I think. Well, I, I kind of love that you brought it for two seconds because I don't want to sound, everybody knows I'm not Mary Sunshine, right? And the 80s were fraught with uh, a lot of terrible things mm-hmm. like a crack epidemic and da da you know, a million dr- things like that or Ceausescu, you know, over in Europe. Like there were a lot of atrocities and things happening. But again, we go back to even within those despots and terrible things going on, there is hope. There is hope and mm-hmm. love is hopeful. So Trent... If you had to, both of you, I want to ask you, but if you had to fill it in, what would you say you were, if you had to, I am in love with what, Trent? If you had to fill that in. He says, uh, you know, he's saying, I am in love with the human race, humanity. What would you fill that in with? I think it's hard for me to synthesize it down into a, a certain thing. Like, I love this. When I think about what I genuinely love and love doing and get the most pleasure out of. I love going to concerts. I love going to live performances because I love music. But music is it can be so solitary in that you have your headphones in or you're, you're listening to it in your home or even with a small group of friends. But when you are present in a concert where it's being performed live, it's not exactly the way you hear on, on the recorded uh album or, or, you know, digital file or whatever. It's, it's a, it, it has a living, it is unique to that experience. And if you add to that the fact that it's unique to that audience, the audience could be high energy, could be low energy, it could be a small crowd, it could be a big crowd, you could be seated or standing. Like, it's always a unique experience. And when I take something that I love so much like music, and then I put myself in the place where the music is actually being performed with other people who are enjoying it as well, when I think about what I love, that's the first thing that comes to mind. I love a live concert setting. 
And so would you say it's the humanity, the connection of humanity? I think or the so. Music or both, I guess. I, I right? think so. I think so. It's also the same thing about why I love watching movies in a movie theater. As much as I'm very grateful that streaming services like HBO Now and Paramount Plus are releasing films in theaters and on streaming in our home at the same time, that's wonderful and that's very convenient. But I still, I miss the nuance of, you know, I'm in a big cushy chair, maybe my feet are sticking to the floor because of the soda, uh, but I have my big old you know, bucket oh God, of popcorn. All of this is my nightmare. I'm but, like, let me stream at home forever. <laughs> yep. You do? Yep, because like, when- get away from me. When they crack a joke and everybody laughs and you're, you're, you're there laughing with them, if you're sobbing and you look over and there's some other person sobbing into their, their napkin, like th- there's, there's something uh, intangible about being with people like that and sharing that experience that I love. So those kinds of live experiences are what I love. So, Constantine, what do you love? Well, I mean, that idea of, you know, loving people and being in public, it's such a great nourishment to the soul, you know. Mm -hmm. And and obviously the last year and a half, so many of us have been unable to interact with the masses and the public and and even our friends and family the way um, we should be, the, the, the healthy way that we need to, the the to show that love that, you know, uh, Gene was talking about. Mm-hmm. And I think to it was more so on his end, this this love of humanity that becomes sort of like a, a how do I want to say a religion, but a, a philosophy. Yeah. I mentioned he was a humanist at the top of the show. His version of that love towards humanity is what many people, when they are in religious environments are trying to find, you know, this love towards a greater being, a greater spirituality. But in reality, when you look at the way religions are organized, it's about people. Yeah, You come together, you come into a congregation, you come into a group. It, it's a love of people at the core of it. And I think that's really what Gene was getting at. Well, Constantine, if you were going to fill in this sentence, I am in love with blank, what would you say? I am in love with the struggles and relationships of people um well said you know there's a cafe here cafe gratitude and um it's like you know like a vegan place and they have all these hippy dippy names for things and the waitress waiter comes around and they'll say what are you grateful for today or what do you love today or you know some i love all that hippy dippy mm-hmm. stuff but you know it's funny the oh, last I, time I, I was never, there i would never eat there i would walk right out uh, <laughs> no, it's, it's super yummy food by the way but every time the waitress says this and listen i love people i love everything but i it, this sounds like such an asshole answer but she's like what do you what do you love and what are you grateful for i was like i'm grateful for me that's good that's a great but answer i'm saying no it is because it took me like a lot of humans a while to get there yeah. because what i was saying was not i love me and i'm the best thing in the world i was saying i am grateful for me i appreciate me and i haven't always appreciated me at different times right so i'm grateful for the package i'm in i'm grateful for my brain mm-hmm. i'm grateful that i have fortitude i and if i were to fill this in with so i don't know i i'm not in love with myself but i'm in love with the i'm actually in love with the idea of finding love. That's where I'm at. Oh, yeah. But you have, to love, you have to love yourself before you can love others. And that's a key that, component. Thank, 
That's why I was saying I don't think it's it's kind of assholey to say I'm grateful for me. But yet I'm saying, no, no, I really do. I'm in a world that doesn't always value me as a as a mm-hmm. black Jewish, half black Jewish woman, you know, and I'm saying I love I appreciate me, though, despite what I've been reflect what's been reflected back to me at times. Right. So I mean, I think that speaks to your strength, the strength to reach to, to see the validity of yourself when others when they don't or when they put you down, like recognizing that in yourself is a sign of strength. And I love well, that. If you have nothing else, you have yourself. And I'm, I'm only, I'm, I think I wanted to wrap up on that is because a lot of people, including myself at times in my lives, I've been like, I don't have anyone who loves me or I, I have frenemies instead of friends. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, you know, you can get really wrapped up in that as opposed to, okay, that all may be true. And that's something I have to work with and shift and find better friends or whatever. But in the meantime, I have me. Mm-hmm. I have me, and I can make me a better me. I can build a better me. That's yeah. what I'm constantly trying to do. And as I always say, I am constantly falling on my face in <laughs> in trying to attain that. But, you know, I, I get back up, and I try again. So I appreciate uh, that. Anyway, we're so appreciative that Constantine was here. We were lucky enough to have him for a few more episodes uh, Trent, tell the people where they can see today's quote. Yeah, if you want to check out video of Curtis reading today's quote, you can check it out on our social media accounts on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And the three of us will be back tomorrow for another episode of Quoting Gene Roddenberry. Bye. Bye. I love these two humans. <laughs> we love you too. Yay. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Quoting Gene Roddenberry. We'd love to hear your thoughts on today's quote. So tweet us, post us, DM us, whatever. We're at Roddenberry on Twitter and Facebook and at Roddenberry Official on Instagram. Quoting Gene Roddenberry is a Roddenberry podcast hosted by me, Rachel True. And me, Trent Venegas. Producing are Claire Kramer and Kelsey Goldberg with executive producers Trevor Roth and Rod Roddenberry. Engineering and editing are provided by Elizabeth Joy Windham. And special thanks to all those who were kind enough to read a quote and give a voice to Gene Roddenberry's everlasting words. Live long and prosper. 